This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Fundies called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Bob Sahoda, thanks very much for coming on Talk Your Book. Really appreciate you giving us some of your time. I thought it might be a good place to start with a little bit about Revolution Asset Management and what you guys look to invest in. Uh, thank you, Chris, for the opportunity to uh, come on Talk Your Book. I appreciate it. Um, Revolution Asset Management um, is a firm that uh, myself and two other business partners established some two and a half years ago. Uh, we focus on Australia and New Zealand private debt. Um, so the private debt markets, insofar as uh, an asset class has been not very well understood, it's been quite an opaque asset class, but hopefully uh, in the next little while, I'll be able to shed some light onto what are the opportunities in the space we feel as though it's a really exciting place for people to invest for stability, for income, um, and the ability to um, you know, get a very good return through a very volatile period. And maybe talk a little bit through the history of private debt in Australia. I know post GFC, there were some changes that APRA introduced, which really changed the landscape for, I guess, private debt and, and debt delivered by the, the uh, banks. Do you want to talk us through what happened post GFC and why that created some opportunities? So private debt in Australia is really in its infancy, mainly as a result of the fact that um, the global financial crisis was pretty kind on the Australian banks uh, compared to the peers in the US and European markets. So in Europe and the US, the banks had to actually rapidly change tack by increasing their capital, reducing their risk-weighted assets, and that really ushered in the opportunity for private capital and private debt to come in and take the void. On the other hand, in Australia, after the GFC, we had banks that went on their merry way because they, they maintained their AA credit ratings. Um, and really up until probably 2018, um, we're really focused on more, more like uh, revenue and, and really building market share. But what happened with APRA and changes in, in bank global bank regulations is the fact that things started to become more about return on equity. So rationing of capital meant the banks couldn't act as asset managers anymore, i.e. being the asset managers in lending to corporate Australia and different parts of the private debt book, and then funding themselves through their own, their own wholesale and deposit funding. But really they started looking at whether they, you know, on the one hand do more mortgages, which attract very little capital, or then act in other parts of private debt where the impost is a lot higher on, on capital charges. So that means that our market is really starting to develop um, for the opportunity side in, um, in unregulated capital, such as revolution asset management. And am I right that in America, a lot of loans that businesses get are from the big pension funds? Yeah, so very much um, institutional investors are, are very well established in the US and in Europe. Um, and, and quite often you'll have banks who will come in and maybe underwrite deals or provide the revolving credit lines, but a lot of the term funding is now done with these private debt managers on a on a sort of buy and hold basis. Um, we're starting to see you know some activity in that space with a, you know, a handful of private debt managers in this country, but I would say there's there's a very infant market uh, and an opportunity that really um, is is at the at the beginning of the journey rather than the mature phase. 
And what types of opportunities are you seeing now that you're finding it interesting? Um, so with, with our own strategy, Revolution Asset Management, we focus on really three different asset classes uh, within the private debt market. So first and foremost, we provide funding to large scale private equity acquisitions. So these are, these are really large firms um, that are being acquired off generally off the, the listed markets and listed equity markets, like um, Healthscope Hospitals that was acquired by Brookfield. Um, Arnott's Biscuits is an example that was, owned, that was listed or owned by Campbell's, is now owned by, by um, a, a private equity firm, KKR. Um, household names like MYOB, largest provider of accounting software, the biggest global provider of cancer treatment being Genesis Care, uh, largest provider of infrastructure services, Ventia. All these companies um, have been now subject to private equity ownership. And what we do is, is with other co-lenders and other banks, uh, provide the senior secure debt for those acquisitions. The second part of what we do is um, asset-backed security. So rather than us individually going out and lending for mortgages, credit cards, personal loans, or auto loans, we will back the more established players in that space, like the Latitudes, the Flexi Groups, the Peppers of the world, Bluestone, insofar as we provide them the finance to go out and do what they do, um, and we get a very handsome return for those. And the very last bit is real estate lending, but we don't do any construction or development lending. Uh, we look for the cash flow of the underlying tenants to really be able to service our loans rather than purely the valuation. So across these three sectors, we're aiming to deliver investors with a core philosophy of capital preservation, uh, being the core of what we do in delivering a return north of four to 500 over um, in terms of sort of four to 5% sort of yields um, for that private debt and secured debt strategy. And so if you talk through say the first two of those strategies, the, the debt for private equity roll-ups or, or buyouts, uh, what, sort of, uh, what sort of returns do you get? What sort of duration is that debt um, yeah. on, a, on an average sort of basis? Yeah, so we are, we're basically lending again as, as a senior secured lender. So for that, the, the term of these loans is usually five to seven years, uh, but, but they're fully prepayable. So generally private equity is not looking to hold them in a, in a normal world for any more than about three or four years when they extract the value and then either put it back into the listed market or sell it on to a trade buyer or another private equity firm. So that's the duration of, of kind of the investment. Where is the pricing? I would say pre-COVID, the pricing was anywhere in the context of four and a half to five and a half percent yields. Uh, more recently, we've seen an increase in those as the illiquidity premium has grown um, through the, the COVID dislocation. So we're now seeing yields north of 6% for a senior secured position in these acquisitions. Um, on the asset-backed security side, I would say the, um, the opportunity is probably even more attractive as there is, there is um, very few players that can actually do private lending to these, these, um, these non-bank originators. And what sort of percentage can you see those sort of yields go up to for the, the latitude or these sort of financial services products? So look, there's a continuum of risk return that you can, that can, you can tap in private markets. We are very deliberate in focusing on the point of the risk return spectrum that we're still focused very much on capital preservation. So if you're out there lending to uh, you know, property development companies that are going out to do very speculative um, new developments, 
you would be demanding a much higher risk return. So that is not what our core focus is. We are more established to, to really get a laser focus on, you know, getting the, the through the cycle kind of four, four to 5% kind of yields. But um, you can get more yield, but I think the more, the higher the yield, the more that you go away from, you know, capital preservation being the core and that's not our core philosophy. Have you provided any debt to any of the buy now, pay later type operators? Uh, no, we have not. So we are typically focused on the more established, uh, well, uh, you know, the, the people that have tapped the, the capital markets on a, on a repeat issuance basis. So we're probably less focused on the early stage startup uh, buy now, pay later guys. They're probably more of a sexy equity story than, than uh, what you want to be able to lend to. Um, and again, you know, we, we kind of feel like if we do our job, it should be a fairly boring uh, ride with us. We're going to give you a nice stable income um, for that defensive part of your allocation. And you can leave your equity allocation to do the more more sexy fintech stuff. And what do people often get wrong when they're, they're looking at debt deals? Uh, well, the, the, the newer market for private debt, and there's been a lot of people looking to establish private debt um, here in Australia, as a result of this opportunity that a lot of people have identified. I guess the issue here is making sure you understand one thing. Your discipline on what you say no to will determine whether you can deliver what's on the tin and what you've promised your investors. What do I mean by that? You can only lend, make the decision to lend to a company once. Uh, you don't have the luxury of trading out of that position um, should you change your mind. Uh, it's not a liquid market. So we do a lot of work up front to make sure that we understand the risks, that we understand the downsides. So unlike the equity guys always looking for upside, we're looking for what happens in a recession, such as what we've got now. Um, be able to say hand on heart through this period, can this company pay us back? Um, and it's only when it ticks all the boxes on all the particular risks that we've identified, will we then choose to go out and lend them the money. Uh, and what we've, what we've found is through the, the portfolio and how we've constructed it is we've shied away from the pro-cyclical sectors. Um, so we're not in retail, tourism, hospitality, um, oil and gas or mining or commodities or property development that are more front-end cyclical businesses. We're more into the, the steady state recession-proof businesses um, such as the one I mentioned. And I know you've got a lot of uh, institutional money, but also some wholesale money as well from private investors. There's a, I guess a lot of banks have been slashing their dividends now and a lot of private investors are finding that bank shares are so highly correlated with their own residential home and they're looking for some more non-correlated assets that'll pay a dividend. Is that one of the driving forces why a lot of people are coming into this private debt market? Uh, absolutely, Chris. So the, the traction that we're getting is very much that you know you can get diversified away from this high concentration to banking and financials. So whether you're invested in equities or in the broader liquid fixed income markets, very difficult for you not to have a concentration to you know almost all roads lead to the banks and finance. So for us, we can offer um, not only uh, diversification away from from that core sector, but also the fact that you're supporting businesses in other sectors, but be able to then get a much better income, stable income, as I've said a number of times uh, through, through our discussion um, in, in these sorts of areas. Who is that applicable to? Uh, we don't, we, our product doesn't appeal to retail purely, but certainly as a wholesale investor, a high net worth, 
or indeed more recently, we've had a lot of traction with um, top end of town superannuation um, and, and pension funds uh, here in Australia, where they are where they are looking for genuine um, a shy away from traditional bond market allocation to private debt as a genuine diversification play, and also for that that key income component. You mentioned the bond market there. It's a um, it's a market that's obviously enormous and dwarfs the equity market in size. But in terms of price discovery, we've now got yield curve control and the Australian bond market and the Japanese bond market and the Federal Reserve are talking about it being something they may implement down the track. Do you think there's a, a potential that investors do move away from that as they feel it's, it's a market that no longer has price discovery and, and will that be a tailwind for the private debt market as well? Yeah, well, I think um, in the in the past people had, had had obviously had an allocation for bonds, and we all we've all studied finance, and the the, the negative correlation of you know bonds and equities was always something that we studied. As everything's become more correlated, and you've got more of a, a control on yield curves, and you approach that that zero even negative rates, mm. fixed income as an asset class, yeah, it's certainly fixed, but there's no income left, um, and downside protection. How much lower can it go? Uh, can you really earn that uh, that that yield or, or that kick if um, things continue to get worse when you're already at all-time lows? So I think that is a huge tailwind uh, for where we can not only drive a credit spread for what we do, but because of the lack of competition in this market. So there's only really a handful of scale players in the private debt markets in Australia and New Zealand where we can still demand a, a very good rate of, 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 of return uh, that we're charging you know, our, our um, borrowers um, to be able to provide a pretty good um, rate of return with very low volatility. Uh, importantly, on a secured basis at the top end of the capital structure uh, is, far, is, is getting a lot of traction and becoming quite compelling. Well, I, you said you, you didn't view your businesses in the sexy end of the market. I think you managed to make it sound very sexy, Bob. So uh, thanks very much for coming on and appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate your opportunity. Thanks, Mark. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Homan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.